Hunted by the Bronteford Beast by Jagger Cole. The monster hunting my nightmares might be the man of my dreams. The hell I was born into broke me, damaged me, and pieced me back together. I've come a long way from Russia's foster system. Now I'm third in command to my brother, the head of the Koshenko Bravada. But the past has a way of never staying there. There's a demon on the loose, a huge, massive, ruthless killer they call the Beast. Kostoya Romanov has broken out of his cage looking to settle a blood debt he thinks my family owes him. Now he's hunting for one thing, me. The hunt is on, but I shouldn't like that he watches me. I shouldn't tremble with heat and anticipation every time I feel those eyes pierce, possess, and caress. The prey shouldn't ache for the hunter. The rabbit shouldn't crave the wolf's sharp teeth. He's invaded my every waking thought, corrupting every dream and it's getting hard to keep track of what I should or shouldn't be feeling. I might be the broken beauty he's been looking for, and God help me, he might be exactly the beast I've always wanted. Buckle up, this Bratva Stalker captive romance is a steamy, non-stop thrill ride that I promise will leave you breathless and aching for more. Safe, absolutely no cheating, no cliffhangers, and a perfect happily ever after. That's Hunted by the Bratva Beast, by Jagger Cole. Get it today. Welcome back, everybody. Hey. Second part of Deadly Darling here with Alexa Riley, Mel, and Leah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, this is our first week recording. You should have seen this shit before we said hey. <laughs> Like, oh, I like, hit the button. Oh, come I, I like completely spaced out. I was like, what? What am I oh, doing? Yeah, that's, oh, 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 we're recording a podcast. Fuck. <laughs> We've got Mink with you, like Mel said, for his deadly darling. Um, but we're going to read some lady listener emails because... We've got so many in our old backlog of, I mean, there's like two years worth of, three years worth of stuff now. We're coming up on three years. Oh, I can't wow. believe this shit. Damn. What we've gone through since the beginning. God, That's I can't. Damn. All right. So this one is from March 6th of 2019. Okay. <laughs> I know. I, I like, so if you've sent an email in the past, if you're a longtime listener, thank you so much. Eventually, we'll, we'll, we're culling through them. A ton of them were sent to our spam folders. So if you sent it and I never read your email, send it again. It may have gotten sent to spam and it just never recovered. So this person's like pre-pandemic. Yeah. Happy. Like this lady <laughs> listener has no idea what's about to happen to her life. Like she's probably like young, unmarried, no kids bogging her down. This is like three yeah. years, not 15. <laughs> It says, hello, ladies. I have so many questions. Some of them might have, it says, questions about writing for the ladies. Some of them have already been addressed, so I'm sorry for the repeats. I write under a pen name, so one of my top questions is, how do you keep all your personas separate? I really struggle with this. I see the very awesomeness of it, but it's a struggle when I go to advertise or socialize. I have to ask myself, okay, who am I now? Is that just me or is it hard for everyone? If it's just me, please, Jesus, don't tell me. I'll live with my delusions. 
So I'll start there because she has several other questions afterwards. And we kind of addressed this on Tuesday, how some authors have to do this. I, I think it's normal to question who am I when you go into a situation, even yeah. Even when like we're in places and it's it's sort of like the Alexa rally, like you have to turn it on, you know. Yeah, where... you have to get peppy or I don't mm-hmm. know, because yeah. I'm not super peppy, but I don't yeah. want people to be like, "Well, she's not even talking to us." So <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of like, "Hi." <laughs> well, you want to give readers a good experience, but also there is that spark of you, Mel. Like if somebody talks to you about a book they love, you light up. You're like, "Yeah, I love that too." You know, like. Mm-hmm. So that's the part that I feel like that's within us that you kind of have to push forward (laughs) when you're you're with people, you know, you have to like pull that person out. So I I think that's normal. Um, Covers. Anyone else hyperventilating over them? Is it hard for y'all to find just the right pictures or the covers? Yes. (laughs) All the time. Every book. You're really good about you go through and pull images if you see one you like and save it for later or something. Yeah, so I have that. a ton of folders, and what I'll, I even give some somebody will tell me a book they're writing, and I'm like, I have a picture for that. Yeah, yeah. But I just whenever I go in search of a picture, like I'm looking for a girl with sneakers or something, mm-hmm. I probably won't find the girl with sneakers, but I will find three or four different pictures that are really good that I just toss in my folders and another trick I've learned is on Shutterstock and the other places they tag the photographer Mm -hmm. and once you see somebody doing really good pictures then you like save that photographer and just keep going back because they load new pictures and stuff like that and you can get fresh content I like that that's a good idea like if you like their style and stuff Mm -hmm. once you hit publish do you ever read your own stuff Yes, no. I do. <laughs> I do not. I can't go back and read it. I'll want to change things. I'll be upset with the punctuation. I'll I'll analyze in detail how stupid a sentence sounds. <laughs> and it'll be, it'll be when I wrote. I'll be like, Leah, that's the dumbest shit you've ever written in your life. See, I have a different perspective when I read it. What do you, when I, what do you when, think? Or when I hear it on an audio. And yeah, like, yeah. This is so much better than I think we think we are. Oh, that's so sweet. I wish I was like, I wish I felt more confident in myself. I wish I wasn't so hard on myself about well, what I Well, technically, I'm hard on myself normal. It's when I hear it, I'm like, oh, okay. You're like, that's not, not that, that bad. bad. You know, to be fair, I have all our books on audio. All the ones we have on audio, I have them. I just don't listen to them. Yeah. So maybe if I listened to it, it would feel different. I don't know. That's I haven't done idea. it in a while, but yeah, I like, but I'm a giant rereader. Mm-hmm. I can you reread are. a book 10 times. I don't care. You want those comforts. Like yeah. yeah. Do you all ever worry about being stuck in a story rut or that you might be writing the same story over and over? Is this a newbie concern or will I get over it? I think it's, I think it's natural to worry about that. But I'm still amazed how we can pull a story out of thin air sometimes. Yeah, still. We're like, yeah, still, after all these years. I mean, it's been seven years we've been publishing together. And so I just think like, you know, the other day, for example, we had just finished a book series and Mel was like, well, what are we going to write now? I was like, well, let me check my notes. And I definitely suggest do that. I have notes on my phone. Anytime Mel and I talk about something or if I'm somewhere and a book idea sparks or she sends me a text and something sparks, I'll make a note. Even if we don't ever write it, it's in there. 
And so I had an idea. I don't even remember how long ago it's been that I wrote it down, but it said that the girl gets kidnapped, but the guy that's kidnapping her is actually trying to save her. She was kidnapped by a family when she was young and he's kidnapping to take her back to her real family. And I just made it a simple note and you're like, oh, we could do this and this. And what about this? And it was like, you know, all you need is a little spark and you'll take off with it. Yeah. If I so, just get a second. Because yeah. I always get so flustered when I write, set down to write. I'm like, I don't know what to do. But if I just <laughs> sit in it for a minute, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, everything yeah. floods out. And you're like, that mm-hmm. was easier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's natural to to have that worry. But I think the more you do it, the more you realize, like, you really can. It, I think if romance is really in your heart, I think it's that way. And I don't think that you'll copy yourself. I mm-hmm. mean, you're just a different person three years from now. You're going to say different things yeah. and have different emotions about things. And so I wouldn't worry about, like, plagiarizing yourself. <laughs> well, you know, this is this email's from Sammy. That's how she's got it listed on here. Um, Sammy from 2019 is not Sammy from 2021. So yeah. you're not writing the same books you did. You know, we're not writing the same books we did last year or the year before. You know, they're each. I worry sometimes that the sex scenes that we write are repetitive, or at least the ones I do. I worry that what I write is repetitive. And I try to think of new ways to do it. I know. Can't eat a vagina so many ways. True. And, you know, I think for a long time, our books got dirtier and dirtier and dirtier because it was like you're trying to top the one before it. Like, like, (laughs) oh, let's just get super nasty. And at some point, we're like, okay, we just released a book called Trailer Park Virgin. Maybe (sighs) we should pull back a little bit. (laughs) Like... (laughs) So some of our books now that we've released in the past year is like our sort of wave has gone into more like contemporary, you know, new adult, Mm -hmm. maybe. I don't know. Like there's still obviously descriptive sex in it, but yeah, they're not as raunchy as they used to be. But I think it's nice. It feels nice now when we can throw a little nasty in there and it's good. Yeah. It's not like we're not trying to one up it all the time. So there's that. Um, how do you, I'm sorry. How do you find new readers? When do you find reviews that know, when do you find reviewers that know their stuff and want to read you in the market that can seem saturated? That's a million dollar question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, how do you find new readers? I mean, I, all right. So here's a good example. So today I sent Mel a video and it was of a girl that was saying, you know, don't say yes all the time. She was saying when she was younger, she said yes to everything because she was worried that that opportunity wouldn't present itself again. And I, you know, I sent the video to you and I said on it, I was like, I agree with this to an extent because I feel like we wouldn't have had as many opportunities and maybe it's just our field of work. I don't think we would have had as many opportunities had we not said yes to everything. Yeah. And now that we're established in our careers and the way we do things, we're okay to say no to stuff. Like, you know, when somebody asks us to, hey, write a book for, and, you know, have this book translated into this language, you know, we get the contract. We're not automatically going to say yes. We're like, okay, let's read the contract and see what this says, you know. To be able to make those decisions and turn things down is a privilege. And I think it's taken years doing this to be able to get to that point. So 
my advice to young writers is to say yes more. Yeah. You know, to say yes to newsletter swaps, say yes to book, book swaps with authors for giveaways. Even if it's a nobody author and you're a nobody author, swap a signed paperback and give it away on your Instagram. It didn't cost you anything but, you know, $4 in postage to ship it to them. You know, like yeah. it doesn't cost you much to do it. And it can possibly bring you new readers, you know, people who haven't read your books before. Getting reviewers is hard. Yeah, for sure. You know, that that took years to build for us yeah. to get sort of like a quote unquote street team. I mean, we just have a group of ladies who really love our books and who love to promo our books and do reviews for us. And we're very lucky that we have that. But it took a long time to find those ladies. Yeah. You know, and to to have them consistently do it, you know, each time. It, it just takes time. I feel like you might she yeah. might be asking the question because she might be feeling burnt out because she put some stuff. You just yeah. have to keep writing. Something's yeah. going to come along. Mm-hmm. Just stick with it. Yeah, just don't stop. You know, if you're looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to hit something ahead. Like, you got to pay attention, you know? Like, yeah. Just keep going forward. Don't look at what, you know, is in the past behind you that you've written. Just keep on writing because eventually people will catch up. Yes. And when somebody's they do, gonna, yeah. somebody's going to read it and they're going to like it and then they're mm-hmm. going to post it in a group. I've seen or they're going to tell a friend or, yeah, yeah. And then all these people start reading it from the forms mm-hmm. board or whatever mm-hmm. and then it shoots yeah. up and yeah, like that. You had an author today that you sent me. You just sent me her name. And I was like, what is this? And you're like, I love it. I love all her. I'm reading the, her other book she's written I today. I was just, because I was timid. Podcast. I was timid to read her at first because it only had three books. I was like, oh, and I could tell it looked young. Like, yeah. not young. It mm-hmm. looked like a new author. Yeah. When yeah. I looked at it. Mm-hmm. And I read the first one. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like this. And then I mm-hmm. went on to read the next three or two. Mm-hmm. And I was like, these are cute. They're very tropey. And yeah, it was my ballpark. Yeah. And so, you know, it just takes, you know, the right person, like a reader like Mel that stumbles across it and, you know, finds your books. I think that's that's what's going to take. And if you keep writing, they will find you. Her name was Emma Bray, if you're looking for it. Yes, Emma Bray. I have it written down on here. How do you balance work, family, and sanity? You don't. You just keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, you you do the best you can. And what is that Nora Roberts said? Like, it, you know, you juggle balls all day and some of them are plastic and some of them are glass. And it's OK to drop the plastics. Hang on to the glass ones. The glass ones are the most important. Oh, wow. That's a good analogy. I know. And that a great. And Nora Roberts said that about like balancing her work, you know, life, her family and everything. And I just thought. That's fucking fantastic. Like, oh, you missed the PTA bake sale. It's a plastic ball. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, you don't want to miss those important things like your kid's birthday. (laughs) You know, shit like that. So I think that's about it for now. I hope the questions were okay. You all have a great week. And I totally don't care if you use my name or whatever you need to do. P.S. I really hope I didn't come off as a big dork, even though I am, in fact, a big dork. Always. Sammy, and her last name's Lakins, L-A-K-N-S. And then she has slash... J, I think it's G, and I want to say Jizza. <laughs> I think it's Jisa, J-I-S-A, Dean. So that might be her pen name. So we should check her out. I'm going to save it. I'll look it up. 
This one is entitled Bad Gifts, and it's from, oh, this is a recent one. Hello, ladies. I'm way behind on the podcast. I recently listened to number 103, and you were discussing bad gifts. Mine is not so much a bad gift, but being a, but being a dick gift. So my husband and I were separated and started divorce proceedings. I have not read this email before. I'm getting scared. <laughs> the whole time we were married, he was never into celebrating our anniversary. One day I received a package at work and it was a hummingbird mob- mobile. He called to make sure I got the package and for what it's worth, happy anniversary. It would have been our fifth anniversary and it really pissed me off because I was finally moving on. Our kids are adults now, so I don't have to deal with him anymore. But my ringtone for him to this day is the Darth Vader theme. <laughs> dun, 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 that one. Love the podcast. It has opened new authors to me, Jamie. Oh, my God. I was hoping for a reconciliation. Damn it. I wanted, like, a forever love story. Oh, my God. All right. This one is from March again of 2019. I think I just pulled that month. Um, this is, Hey ladies, I just had to share this story about my youngest. I have three children, a son in college, almost 21, a daughter in college, almost 19. They're actually the same college, have an awesome relationship and are amazing human beings and have absolutely no idea what happened. (laughs) My youngest, another daughter is almost 16 and so happy to be an only child at home with me and my husband, mostly with me because my husband works a lot. Who am I kidding? She's in her bedroom with the door closed most of the time. She's a teenager. So I got her tickets to see Dan and Shay for Christmas. I don't know who that is. Dan and Shay. She is absolutely obsessed with them. And the concert is just for her 16th birthday. As it is approaching, she's getting crazier and crazier, crazier than the usual. She posted a picture of them on her Instagram with a caption along with the lines of just a week away until I see my husband's in concert. (laughs) She tells her boyfriend, she tells me her boyfriend was a little miffed over this. She is taking him with her to the concert. So not too badly. And then she tells me it's a good thing he didn't notice. She tagged Dan and Shay in the pictures as daddy one and daddy two. Oh my God. It says, oh my God, who am I kidding? Who is she? I'm dying. That's amazing. Now I'm wondering, now I'm wondering if she's been reading the books on my Kindle. Oh my God. Oh, on the whole, we are pretty open in our house, probably verging on wildly inappropriate. We have a lot of fun and we are a very close knit family. All, all I could do is laugh. That's my daughter. Don't they say you wind up with one kid just like yourself? There she is. Mm-hmm. Email. I Thank love you for that. your. I know. Thank you for your podcast and your Facebook group. I'm having the time of my life with you, ladies. I feel like I have a new friend in my life with all of you, Robin. P.S. She's going to freak when she realizes her father got her backstage passes. Oh, oh my God! I'm gonna cry. Why That's that amazing. I love this so much. Oh, when my God. she said the um the doors always closed, God, that was like home that's me. the truth right and I <laughs> I actually said something to my husband yesterday I was walking down the hallway and Peyton's doors closed Isabel's doors closed I'm like these doors are always closed now <laughs> you're like it's fine I don't live here no big deal <laughs> I remember when they used to come in my room and I'd get irritated and they bug me and now I'm like the door is closed why don't you come in my room I'm gonna go in your room <laughs> I saw this video early today and it was this parents it was a husband and wife and they were like we're visiting our kids house for the first time and they go in and the mom starts flipping on all the lights <laughs> she goes the dad goes to the ice maker and fills up his cup and the ice cubes are running over in the floor and he just looks at it and kicks it under the refrigerator <laughs> And then the mom goes and, like, throws trash away, and it misses the trash can, and she just goes, hmm. 
And then the husband, like, goes in the living room, hides the remote underneath the seat cushion, and they just walk out. Oh, my God. I was like, I am 100% doing that in my fucking kids. It is on. Yep. This one says, horrible dating story. That's entitled. Hey, lady podcasters. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and currently I'm binging the week of Ella Fox and just listened to the first episode, which included the horrible blind date. Sadly, as I was listening on the episode, all I could think about was that I've lived this life. So I wanted to share a horrible dating story. I have many, so many that I've given up on dating, but this one always rises to the top. And it does because I actually knew the guy in real life. It almost would have been better if it was a stranger I met online. I knew this guy from high school and we reconnected when we saw each other at a local bar that did trivia night on Wednesdays. We started hanging out, dating, not exclusive, but we were going out with each other at least once a week, including Wednesday nights for trivia. Then rolled around my birthday, which happened to fall on a Wednesday. I usually worked on Wednesdays until about nine, but he asked if I could take if he could take me out for dinner. So I found someone to cover the last part of my shift and was really excited because I thought that going out with a guy on my birthday would have meant something. He picked me up from work. I learned a few weeks later from one of his friends he had been drinking before he picked me up. Oh, shit. We went to dinner at Olive Garden. For some, that might sound cheap, but I do love the breadsticks. And after dinner, I thought we would get drunk. We, oh, sorry, we would get a drink and then go to trivia night because since it was what we did on Wednesdays. Instead, he asked if we can go to PetSmart to get dog food. I just figured we were killing time, so I said, okay. The trivia didn't start for another hour or so. After we get dog food, we get back on the road, and he takes me back to my car, and that was it. Oh, and did I mention that I paid for my dinner? Oh, I'm sorry. I left that part out. Needless to say, that was the last date, and it also is the last time I find somebody to cover a shift for a guy. Thanks again for the podcast. If you ever want ridiculous online dating tales, I have some good screenshots that are worthy of a few laughs, Dana. That is awful. Yes. I, I wish you should have posted his name so that I could have like crucified him on here. Oh my God. We were talking about something earlier and it reminded me. I made a note, a uh, translation. So something that I thought was really cool and I actually talked to my friend Carla who I've mentioned moderates reading romance. Um, we talk a lot on Instagram. You know, I was telling her today, I don't know if a lot of people are aware when you're an author and you write a book and somebody approaches you and they're like, hey, we would love to translate your book into Italian. As an example, we had um, someone reach out to us to do it. So they send you a contract and you look it over. And a lot of times in foreign contracts for people that are going to translate your books to another language, they want the rights to your books. Forever. Forever. (laughs) So, and which means like, Okay, so you translate your book to Italian. They sell in Italy. If it makes some money, you get a percentage of it. But what you don't often realize is that if that book is really successful in another country, that means they own the rights to it, along with movie rights, TV rights, radio, promotion, like podcasts, anything. So, and then you have no say over it, like how it's produced, how it's done, you know, anything. They can change it. They can do what they want. So... It is difficult, very difficult for a self-publishing author to get books translated into other languages without knowing someone that speaks that language or having an in or finding someone that can do this for you. It's a big process. We had an amazing reader 
reach out to us. And like, I should definitely have her name on here because she's so, her name is Maria Rada. I'm, I'm just going to say it. She may have, may not wanted me to mention that, but I just want to call her out because she's so amazing. Um, she reached out. She loves our books. She translates. I think she said she does, um, uh, what is it? Textbooks. Like, uh, like that kind of like yeah. literature. She does like legit things. She translates from English to Spanish. And so she said, I love your books. I would love to be able to translate them for you so that you can share them with your friends. This is something I do. And she said, all you do is pay for their translations. So we got really lucky that, you know, this isn't a foreign company that's trying to like, you know, take your rights and, and things like that and hold on to them forever. This is just, she translate it and you pay for it. Like it's, it's a really easy transaction and it's something that we've, you know, sort of tossed around the idea of wanting to do, but not being able to do for a long time. So Carla was actually nice enough. She read like, um, the first like pages that she sent us and she was like, she said, and I think Carla even said when she was nice, she was like, this person loves your books. The person who translated this loves it because she was like, immediately you get the feel for this book. You understand it even in a different language. Like she said, I, I want to read more. It sounds awesome. So it was really exciting today it to is. be, to email Maria back and be like, yes, it was perfect. Thank you so much. Let's do it. Like, let's just, so we're getting a, a book. We're going to have the book thick in Spanish soon. Which is really exciting. We're going to get the the cover to reflect it as well. So for all of our Spanish readers, you know, for all of our Spanish speaking readers, this is an opportunity to read one of our books in your language. So I thought that was really I'm cool. Excited. Yeah, I am too. I'm excited to see like what this opens up. And I was, I was telling Carla today, I said, I kind of got like a little bit emotional about it, like doing it because I just thought if there was an author I loved that only wrote in another language. Yeah. I can't imagine how I would feel if they finally wrote one in English, yeah. how accepted and open I would feel about that just to be like, this is for me, you know, like, oh my gosh, she wrote this for me. So I got, I, it had like that really feel good moment today where it's like all of these, you know, all of the people that may have wanted to enjoy us, but haven't been able to because either they don't read English or speak it or whatever, you know, this is, this is a new opportunity for that. So I'm excited. So I think it's gonna be pretty cool. So, all right, let's get to Mink. Let's talk about what her book that we've got with us today, His Deadly Darling. I have Mink's bio and I thought it was so cute. It says, Mink writes sweet and salty romances that always satisfy with a happily ever after. Her dream job is editor-in-chief at Cat Fancy. <laughs> she can be found with a kitty in her lap, her Kindle in her hand, and a cup of steaming coffee next to her. I love it. I love Like, there is nothing. Cat Fancy. I can't. She has a cat in every book. <laughs> Does she? No. There's a cat that pops up. That does something in every book. That's this is the kind of branding everybody needs to be aiming for. Okay. <laughs> oh, I had a picture of uh, my cat laying on my chest today. I was sitting in here and he like came and climbed up on me and like laid on my chest. And I was like, I said, this is what he does to get attention. But honestly, so do I. <laughs> but then. So Jenica Snow messaged me and she was like, I don't know if you know this or not, but when cats do that, they're purring, they're vibrating to heal you and because they love you. And I was like, why am I crying? Because <laughs> he was just laying on me 
temporary. She said it's to heal and to comfort and to tell you they love you. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to burst into tears. Like, why? Isn't that the sweetest thing ever? It is. Now I'm like, oh my God, because he lays on my chest like every other morning. But I thought he was just trying to get me to get up. No, he's just healing you and he loves you (laughs) and it's comfort. (laughs) We're insane. That's sweet. All right. We'll let you get to the second installment of His Deadly Darling. We'll see you on the other side. Chapter 8. Cassandra. I'm in total control here, I tell myself. I'm letting him take my mouth in a deep, knee-weakening kiss. I could push him away if I wanted to, but I dig my fingers into his shirt. I'm totally the one who's driving this bus. I'm just making a detour. My new plan is to let him think he's in control. The more he thinks I'm willing to go along with this, the easier it will be to catch him off guard when he least expects it. This is my new attack strategy, I reason with myself. His attraction to me will lead to his death. I'll use every advantage I can get. I moan into his mouth as he lifts me from my feet. My back hits a bed. I'm allowing this only because it will please me. I'm still going to kill you after. I try and make it sound like a command, but my voice comes out a little breathy and filled with need. He's kissing down my neck. I can feel his smile against my skin. As he tries to fight the laughter, his body shakes with it. Damn it. I need him shaking with desire, not laughter. I'm the one who's going to be laughing. I'm like a female praying mantis. I'm going to let him pleasure me, then make my kill. I'm not going to bite his head off, because that'd be gross, but I'll think of something else. My mind blanks as he nips at my neck, then kisses that spot, as my wife commands. One of his hands snakes up my thigh, the roughness of his fingers spiking my desire. He lifts a little to make room for his hand. I have to fight a cry to pull him back down onto me, needing the pressure between my thighs that his body was giving me. I could rub against him to try to get that friction that could temper the desire between my thighs. The throb of my clit is betraying me. What's wrong with me taking a little pleasure for myself? My mind whispers, crossing over to the dark side with my body. Double crap. I spread my legs wider to make room for his fingers as he traces the edge of my panties too softly. Why are you going so slow? I snip out. His body shakes again. Are you laughing at me? Never. He nips my neck again. Why does it feel so good when he kisses me there? My hips rise, begging for more. I'll make it better. He yanks on my panties, ruining them. I don't know what the man has against nice clothes, but he's lucky he can afford to buy me more or I'd say something about it. Instead of complaining, I wiggle under him as he slips down my body and pushes my dress up as he goes. I grip it, pulling it over my head and tossing it away. He smirks at how quickly I gave in. I like that dress. I do. I don't need him ruining it. It's not because I have an overwhelming need to be skin to skin with him. If I'm naked, you have to be naked. Again, he does as I ask and pulls his shirt over his head. Holy hell. Muscles plus a few more muscles and smooth tan skin. Why does he have to be so hot? Then again, 
It only makes this more enjoyable for me. Like what you see, wife? He asks as his hands go to my hips. Nope, not one bit. He only smiles bigger. I mean, honestly, you should consider joining a gym to get in better shape, I say as my gaze travels down his perfect chest. He's probably one of those people who can run without getting winded. Yeah, now I'm definitely going to kill him. Lose the bra, he tells me as his hands go to my hips. I hurriedly do as he asks because, yeah, I totally love that bra and don't want it ruined. It has nothing to do with wanting to be naked beneath his touch, or the fact that I'm aching for the pleasure I know he's going to give me. I mean, the pleasure I'm going to take from him because I'm calling the shots. When I look up, his eyes are focused on my breasts. His hand leaves my hip and comes up. He squeezes my breast as his thumb swipes over my nipple. He dips his head and takes my nipple into his mouth. I almost scream out in pleasure, but I hold it in, not wanting to give him the satisfaction. My body arches toward him, telegraphing my thoughts. He releases my nipple and nibbles his way down to where the ache I have for him has grown almost unbearable. You taste as good as I imagined, my little vixen. Is your pussy as sweet as your skin? His finger strums my clit for the first time, gaining him a moan from me. You're soaked for me, he says, as he continues to rub the ache between my legs away. My body pushes into his hand, wanting what he's giving more than anything. Since my death is imminent, I'm going to enjoy what might be my last meal. He removes his hand and replaces it with his tongue. He groans as he tastes me for the first time, and it's the sexiest sound I've ever heard. I don't even try to resist or pull away. He's the one that wanted to be my husband, and it's his duty to pleasure me. It strikes me how kind and considerate I'm being, giving a dying man his last wish. I am a magnanimous killer, it seems. Damn, his mouth on me feels good. Maybe I should keep him around a bit longer. Not because I feel anything toward him, but for what he does to my body. I've almost made the decision when my orgasm pushes down on me. I cry out his name as the sweetest pleasure I've ever felt rolls through my body, causing my eyes to fall closed. I'm still for a moment as I savor the feeling. So many emotions flow through me that I don't know what to do with them. I shake my head no as my eyes spring open. It's all so much, and I feel out of control. Luke comes over the top of me, looking down into my eyes. Cassandra? He says my name gently, like someone trying not to spook a frightened animal. I am not the one who should be scared. I don't know why my emotions are all over the place, but I lock my legs around him. I see the shock in his eyes when I do it. His pants are gone, his bare cock digging into me. He must have ditched them when I was in orgasmic bliss. I twist my hips as hard as I can, flipping us until I'm over him now. I don't know if I took him by surprise or he let me do it, but either way, I'm on top now. I reach between us, guiding his cock to my entrance as I sit up. Cassandra. Luke grips my hips in warning. Isn't this what you wanted? I ask. I drop down an inch. Holy shit, he's big. How is he even going to fit inside me? 
I'm glad I didn't get a chance to really see it. I might not be so bold. Not like this, he growls, his fingers digging into me, but it's too late. This time I move faster, sinking down onto him. I think he was right. I am only hurting myself, after all. Chapter 9 Luke When she winces, I roll us over, pinning her beneath me. My little vixen bit off more than she could chew. I pull out, despite my need to fill her to the brim. Her eyes water. Breathe. I kiss her again, slowly now, soothingly. Rubbing my cock against her, I stroke her clit until she loosens up again, her body working against mine, seeking the delicious friction. I pull back. Better? She nods, her tears gone and desire filling her beautiful eyes. When she digs her little nails into my shoulder, I slide into her with agonizing control. Her breath hitches, but she spreads wider, taking all of me as I struggle to breathe. Her tightness is a heaven all its own. But I have to wait to make sure she's comfortable. Hurting her isn't something I'll ever do. More. She leans up and nips at my chin. More. Give me what I want and I'll kill you after. I pull out and press back inside her, learning her body so I can worship it with mine. Taking her mouth, I surge deep, then start a slow rhythm. She arches against me, her body warm and pliant as I take what I want. Sinking into her is what I was made for, just as she was made to come on my cock to take my seed, to be mine forever. Harder, my little vixen? Yes. The word floats on her moan. I give it to her, pumping my hips harder as I slide my tongue down her throat and suck on her frantically pulsing jugular. Burying one hand in her chestnut hair, I pull so she opens to me even further, her breasts a lure no man could resist. Sliding my mouth lower, I capture one nipple and suck it until she's scratching my scalp, her body undulating beneath me as my cock makes a home between her thighs. Switching to the other breast, I suck and lick until she's moaning, her body tightening as I love her the way she deserves. Each stroke is like a shot of lava in my veins, and I'm overwhelmed with love for this wild creature beneath me. You like it when I'm inside you, don't you? I kiss back up to her throat and bite her lightly, taming you with my cock. She shakes, her body trembling beneath me. Yes, she hisses. I speed up, plunging again and again into her hot pussy as she bites my lip then takes my kiss. My tongue masters hers as I own her body, 
Everything inside me focused on the way we fit together, the movements that make her legs shake, the way she clutches at me, her nails drawing blood. Sitting back, I yank her onto me, her breasts bouncing as I fuck her. Touch a pretty pussy for me. She trails one hand down her breast, past her stomach, then presses a finger to her clit. Show me how you touch yourself when you think about me. When you imagine me on top of you fucking you senseless. I know you did, my little vixen. Luke. Her moan goes straight to my cock, thickening it even more. She does as she's told, her little fingers stroking her clit faster and faster as I pump inside of her. My fingers are going to leave bruises, but I can't stop. I'm too wrapped up in her, and I can't pull my gaze away from her fingers teasing her clit. When her hips slow to a roll, her thighs shaking, and she arches one final time with my name on her lips, I shove deep inside her and come releasing all my desire into her as her pussy tightens around me in waves. I slap her fingers away and stroke her myself, wringing every last bit of pleasure from her as I groan. Her pussy taking every ounce I have to give, greedily draining me in its tight grasp. Her body slowly unwinds, and her lower back hits the bed. I fall on top of her, supporting myself on my elbows as I drop kisses all over her face. My sexy vixen, how I love you. I nibble her ear as she runs her hands down my back. That was... She trails off, sleepiness already making her eyelids flutter. I suppose she did have a rather trying day. I roll to her side and pull her on top of me, then reach down and toss the sheet over us. My heart still pounds, not from exertion so much as the fact the one I love is finally in my clutches. I'm never letting her go. I kiss her again. Get some sleep. She stiffens minutely. This doesn't change a thing. I'll still kill you in the morning. Of course. I wrap one arm around her back and close my eyes. But may I make a request? Hmm? Wait until I've gotten another taste of your pussy. Every doomed man gets to choose his last meal, right? She shakes with low laughter, then takes in a deep breath and drifts off to sleep in my arms, where she belongs. A low thump, thump, thump sound outside awakens me. I glance at the clock. We've overslept. I breathe her in, the smell of her hair, the gloriousness that is my wife. She blinks her eyes bleary as she wakes. What's that sound? Transportation. I roll on top of her, 
my hard cock begging for more of her slick heat. We're late. Late for what? The bed shakes, and Ms. Kittle strides over and plops down beside us, her eyes on Cassandra. Good morning, Spider Destroyer. My wife wriggles out from under me, yes, because I allow it, and strokes the tabby while engaging in admittedly cute baby talk. I roll over and watch her, eyeing the smooth skin of her back and the cleft of her ass. Perhaps I can work into her from behind. I reach for her hip with that in mind when a swift double knock sounds at the door. Sighing, I throw the sheet over her again and rise. Yes? Vigo's here, ready to fly. Clayton's stern voice vibrates through the wood. Half an hour and have breakfast waiting on the chopper. Sure thing. His footsteps recede. Did you just say chopper? My vixen looks up at me as she strokes Ms. Kittle's belly. Then her eyes stray lower to my erection. Glad I didn't see that last night. No way I would have let you put it inside me if I'd gotten a look at it first. She licks her lips and has forgotten to pet Miss Kittle's. Apparently that's a great offense because the cat tears down to the foot of the bed and jumps off. I said half an hour, but with the way my bride stares at my cock, it's going to take a while longer. Come here. I crook my finger at her. She bristles for a moment, then seems to calculate. When she slides to the edge of the bed, I take her hand and guide her to her knees. She isn't shy, her luscious body on display, her nipples begging for my teeth. Without urging, she takes my cock in her palm, then leans forward and licks the tip. Is this what you want? She stares up at me with her big blue eyes. One might think she was an innocent, at least until she takes me to the back of her throat, gags a little, then tries again. My hips jolt, and I tangle my fingers in her hair as pleasure unfurls all over me. This is a lesson. I grit the words out as she explores me with her tongue. A punishment for hurting yourself last night. She glances up at me questioningly. I guide her back onto my shaft, forcing her head to do exactly what I want. You can have your way with me, Cassandra, I tell her. But not when it means hurting yourself. I thrust into her mouth, her silky tongue drawing all of my heat southward. Your pussy wasn't ready for me, but from now on, I'll take care to make sure it is. She grips my ass, her nails digging in as she moans around my cock. For now, this is your lesson. Hurt yourself, and there will be repercussions. I groan as her tongue works the underside of my cock, her slippery noises a symphony of erotic filth. I pull her hair, 
squeezing the strands as she moans, then shove deeper into her mouth as I come without warning. She sputters and swallows as best she can as I revel in the pleasure only she can give me. When I pull back, my cum drips along her lip and down her chin. She's magnificent. Pulling her to her feet, I wipe her chin with the sheet, kiss her, and slap her ass. Now we shower. I drag her to the bathroom and flip on all the jets in the walk-in shower. She's barely caught her breath when I start lathering her hair with her favorite shampoo. Hang on. She turns when I'm done rinsing her. That was a punishment? She reaches down and grips my cock, taunting it to try and thicken again. Yes. I cup her breast and knead it, her skin water-slicked and perfect. Then why did I enjoy it? She strokes me slowly, agonizingly, her wicked mouth teasing at my throat. Why do I want to do it again? I wasn't going to eat her pussy or fuck her. She doesn't get to come until after lunch. That was part of the punishment I'd laid out for her in my mind. That seemed fair. But now that she's got me in her tight little grip, my resolve begins to waver. Why do I want to swallow your cum and lick you clean with my tongue? She nibbles my lip. Why do I want to feel you inside me? Your hard cock filling me as I scream your name? I break. I'm only a man, after all. Turning her around, I force her to bend over, then shove inside her with a hard thrust. She moans and flattens her hands on the tile wall as I fuck her, punishing her as I love her, pleasuring her as I wreck her. Her breathing quickens, her body tightening, and when I reach around to stroke her clit, she explodes, her pussy convulsing as I spend again, my cock giving her every last bit I have as I furiously fuck her. My release is deep, animal, and total. My wife is mine and she will know it every moment of every day. When I stand her upright and turn her around, she looks up at me and quirks her lips. What? I stroke the wet strands from her face as I try to catch my breath. I almost killed you that time. She bites my chest. I laugh, the sound welling up from deep inside me as I cage her against the wall. Try again, my little vixen. Keep trying to kill me as much as you need. I take her mouth, then lovingly wash her with the intention of dirtying her up again as soon as possible. Chapter 10 Cassandra. I wake up for the third morning in a row snuggled up next to Luke. His arm lies heavy over me, 
holding me to him. Miss Kittle's tiny paw is nudging my face, trying to get my attention. I can feel Luke's peaceful breathing behind me. Although we're in a king bed, for some reason we're both on one side. I gently lift his arm, slowly moving myself out of his hold. I grab the nearest pillow and hold it for a few minutes, contemplating whether I should smother him. I haven't been trying very hard to kill him these past few days. He keeps making me forget. If I did off him now, who would give me my morning orgasm? Sadly, I'm not as good at giving them to myself as he is. Checking the quality of the pillows, my little vixen, he says without even opening his eyes. There's a smile on his face, telling me he knows exactly what I am up to. I was about to smother the life out of you, but I guess I'm not quick enough. I feign disappointment with a loud dramatic sigh that makes him smile bigger. My stupid heart does that funny thing inside my chest that it always does when he smiles. It's hard to try to kill a man that keeps doing nice things for you, especially when he brings you to Paris for vacation. Luke keeps calling this our honeymoon, but I refuse to acknowledge that. I replace the pillow and decide my killing efforts should be placed on hold until after we get back. Wouldn't want to be a foreigner with blood on her hands. Too many questions. I should enjoy this vacation. Plus, I'm slightly addicted to this man's cock and the pleasure it brings me. Best to keep him around for a bit longer. Is there really a rush to kill him? I climb out of the bed that's now shaking from Luke's laughter and head over to the hotel window. I draw the curtains to the side and stare directly at the Eiffel Tower. I have to admit that Luke pulled out all the stops when he booked the Shangri-La Hotel. He'd gotten us the penthouse with sweeping views of Paris. My parents always went on trips, but I never got to go. I was shocked when Luke's helicopter had taken us to a giant plane that whisked us away on our honeymoon. I mean, vacation, I mentally correct myself. I can't have that word slip. Luke has already won too many battles at this point. You want to go to the Louvre today? I almost jump as he comes up behind me, wrapping his arm around my waist and pulling me into him. He moves so stealthily for someone of his size. I'm realizing I'm not as graceful as I once thought. I breathe and Luke notices. I drop my head back for a moment, letting myself relax into him. God, he feels so good. He kisses the top of my head softly. It's sweet and too much for me to take. He bought you, I remind myself. He's only being this nice so that you'll cooperate. Those thoughts put me in a foul mood. If you're actually going to take me this time, I jerk from his hold, upset with myself for falling into an easy rhythm with him. You're the one that keeps derailing us, he gently reminds me. It is actually me that keeps getting sidetracked, but he played his part too. He shouldn't be so damn handsome and good with his cock. So basically, it's all his fault. I'm not the one shoving my head between my legs. I put my hands on my hips. No, you shove my head between your legs, he laughs again. I narrow my eyes on him. I clench my thighs together, thinking about him between them. This is why we never get to go anywhere. As I've said before, it's his fault. If he wasn't so good at giving orgasms, then all of my problems would be solved. What's yours is mine, 
I say tartly before heading into the bathroom. I slam the door shut behind me, but why deprive myself of him washing me? He should wash me. He bought me so he could take care of me. He better make sure he continues to make me happy. His life depends on it. Luke, I call out his name, opening the door to see why he's not coming to take a shower with me, and I run right into him. I jump, almost falling back on my ass, but of course he saves the day and catches me easily. You called, my little vixen. His fingertips reach out and trail down my cheek. I look up at his handsome face. His features are too perfect. They would be any woman's downfall. The thought of other women around him has me feeling a certain way. I'm guessing it's jealousy, but I'll never admit to it. Any woman that comes near my man better be ready to meet her maker. He's mine. Even if I plan on killing him, he's still my husband. I need to be pleasured and washed before you take me sightseeing. I strip off my nightie, then toss it to the floor and head toward the shower. Is that so? Luke follows closely behind me. I turn, lifting one eyebrow at him. He smirks, letting me know he's going to give me what I want. He stops me before I get to the shower, pulling my naked body to him so that I'm pressed up against his chest. I'm going to give you what you're asking for, wife. He whispers in my ear before kissing my neck. He reaches down and squeezes my ass. But later, I'm going to take you here, he says as his fingers find my other entrance. I let out a surprised gasp. There? All of him in there? I shudder with half fear, half pleasure at the thought. Deal? He asks as his hand reaches around and begins to stroke my clit. My head falls back on his shoulder. I need an answer, my little vixen. I get an excited thrill about him exploring me in all places, knowing that he'll make it good for me. Deal. I give in because it's what I want. Not because I have this need inside me that wants to please him, too. One that hopes to earn me another one of his smiles. Like a starved animal, I eat up the affection he's giving me. I kind of love- No. I push that thought away. I'm not going there. I don't have to. I'm living in today and enjoying my honeymoon. I mean, vacation. After our highly pleasurable shower, we spend hours roaming around the beautiful city of Paris. It's breathtaking, more than I ever could have imagined. Seeing the Mona Lisa at the Louvre was one of the highlights of my life. It reminds me of how much of a sheltered life I've lived up until now. Although I'll never say it out loud, I'm happy to have shared this with Luke. It's a memory I'll hold close once he's dead. When the sun goes down, I sit on our penthouse terrace, looking through some of the things Luke purchased for me today. He spoiled me rotten while shopping on the infamous Champs-Élysées. There are so many shops. You would need to spend days on that glittering lane in order to visit them all. I had fun. More fun than I thought possible with Luke. It was more than I could have dreamed of. I would know because I have dreamed of this. It's pinned on my Pinterest boards. This very hotel is saved as one of my favorites. The sparkle of the city isn't half as alluring as my husband, I must admit. I got to see a different Luke than I'm used to. 
Not the same one that worked with my father or came to dinner at our house. He's different with me than everyone else. I get a more laid back side of him. Today, he seemed more carefree, and I enjoyed his company and everything he knew about art. He kept catching me off guard with all the history he knew. He catches me off guard a lot. I can never seem to do the same to him. Am I so predictable? Is that a bad thing? I don't know. Hell, I don't know anything anymore. He isn't only catching me off guard, he's setting me off balance. My stomach growls, reminding me of all the calories I burned on our shopping adventure. Hungry? Luke's voice breaks me from my thoughts. I could use a little snack, I say, licking my lips, thinking of the naughty words he said earlier. Luke sits next to me and takes my hand as we watch the sparkling Eiffel Tower. You're going to be the death of me. That's the plan. At least, I think it is. We eat a dinner of roast duck and roast vegetables, whose main ingredient seems to be butter. I don't mind one bit, and the fresh bread alongside it only adds to my enjoyment. I'll be heavier on the trip back home. Home? I used to think my room at my parents' house was my home. It kept me in there most of the time, locked away like a princess in a tower. But I wasn't the innocent, sad sort who was waiting for her prince. I had plans to escape, to make my dreams come true, and to do it on my own, but I stare at Luke as he wipes his mouth, his wedding ring shining on his finger. I suppose fate had other designs. I groan as I eat the last bite of my chocolate mousse. Full? He reaches across the table and takes my hand. If I eat another bite, I may be the one who dies tonight instead of you. Is it tonight? He seems interested, though I can hear the teasing in his voice. What's your plan? You'll like it better if the end comes as a surprise, don't you think? I smile, and I think he knows full well I have no scheme to take his life tonight. But that doesn't mean it isn't coming, just not this evening. You're right, my little vixen. He brushes his lips over my knuckles. Surprise me. Standing, he pulls me up, but I have a surprise for you first. Chapter 11 Luke She walks with me through the main living area of the penthouse. Rubbing her belly, she sighs. I'm going to be ten pounds heavier when we get back home. She wrinkles her nose. I mean, to my house, not, you know, home, with you. Sure. I keep walking until we come to the double doors that lead to the formal sitting room. She squeezes my fingers, and her gaze is content as she glances over at me. What she just said, what's that called? A Freudian slip? Her home is with me and we will fill it with love and children. She's right to think of it as home. What's in there? She peers at the white doors with the crystal handles. The surprise. I let go of her hand and push the doors inward, then watch as her eyes open wide and she hurries in. 
Is this the Caravaggio? She stares up at the painting, all the lights in the room specially turned and shining on it. Yes, it's on loan from its museum in Rome. I watch her closely. This painting isn't one she's pinned on her Pinterest like the Klimt, but it is one she visited online at two particular times in her past. One was when she tried to strangle her piano tutor. The other, when she went after her French teacher. This painting is a gamble. One I hope will pay off. I stay silent as she looks at it, moving closer until she's so close to it that I wonder if she can feel the disdain in Judith's eyes as she beheads the Syrian general, Holofernes. The painting is violent, gory, and tells of a woman's vengeance on a man who harmed her. Why would she visit it online after each of her violent bouts? I have my suspicions, and now I must wait for her to put words to them. She stares for a long time as I stand behind her, my hands on her hips. When her shoulders shake, I pull her to me and simply hold her as she tries to stifle her tears. It doesn't work, and she lifts her hands to her cheeks and wipes them away. I want to turn her to me, to soothe her, but she needs this release, this way of channeling her emotions. After a long while, her shoulders stop shaking, and she takes a deep, cleansing breath. Do you want to talk about it? I kiss her crown. No. She swallows hard. But I guess I should. It might take away the hurt. I gently suggest. Mr. Gerard. She wipes her cheeks again, but tilts her head up, looking at the painting. He taught piano. He came to the house every Tuesday and Thursday. The sixth Thursday. I remember because he taught me to play Row Your Boat, and I was so excited to show him I'd learned it. He came and watched me play. Then he ran his hand up my skirt. I try to keep my breathing calm, to relax, to be strong for her, even as the rage begins to burn inside me like the guts of a dormant but violent volcano. I keep my silence as she wrestles with her next words. I fought him off and told my mom, but she said he was the best piano teacher in the state and that I was making excuses to get out of tutoring. So he came back on Tuesday. She tangles her fingers together, her anxiety telegraphing through her. And I was ready for him. You did well. I coo. She turns, her watery eyes a dagger to my heart. I wanted to kill him, but I wasn't strong enough. You were young. She returns her gaze to the canvas. The French tutor, he was sneakier. Mr. Barnes, he waited. 
I was his student for almost a year. One day I missed several words on one of his sadistic pop quizzes. He told me the punishment was... Her voice cracks. Then she stiffens and kicks her chin up. He said it would be for me to take my top off and let him touch my breasts. If I let him do that, then he wouldn't tell my parents about my poor performance. The volcano is ready to erupt. I will have Clayton round these men up and bring them to me. But for now, I focus on Cassandra, on the cracks these men put in her heart, the way they tried to abuse her and ruin her trust. What did you do, my fierce vixen? I stroke her hips. She turns and looks at me, a devious pleasure in her eyes. I stabbed him with my pencil. I was aiming for his junk, but nailed him in the thigh and nicked an artery. He didn't bleed out, but he came close. I wish he'd died by your hand. I wrap an arm around her waist and pull her tight against me. What she doesn't need to know is that both of these men will die. Their bodies thrown into one of my minds and their names quickly erased from history. Me too. She unwinds in my arms, her tension falling away. I hope they get what's coming to them. They will. I kiss her ear, then nibble the lobe. I'm sorry it happened to you. I think the worst part is when my mother didn't believe me. Her voice is small now, sad. She said I was making it up and trying to ruin their good name and trash my chances at marrying well. How wrong she was. I nuzzle into her soft hair. Soon, you'll single-handedly own an enormous estate and unlimited wealth. She makes an mm-hmm noise. All her initial joy at the prospect of my death, gone. I do love this painting. She lets her head rest against my chest. Bloody and perfect. Revenge is sweetest when served by a beautiful woman. I wrap my hand around her throat. She cranes back and meets my lips, her kiss full of emotion. I take what she offers, then demand more, turning her toward me and gripping her ass to lift her. Gripping my face with her warm hands, she kisses me feverishly, her tongue invading my mouth and setting off a need that threatens to overwhelm both of us. Carrying her through the living area and into the bedroom, I don't bother closing the door, I sit her on the bed, yank her dress off, and prowl on top of her. Her hands are on my neck, my shoulders, in my hair as I suck her throat, sampling her skin as I move lower and lick her nipples through the bra. Sitting back, 
I grab the front of the lacy thing and rip it apart. You just bought that. She frowns, then gasps as I bite down on her bare nipple. I'll get you five more. I bite the mound of her breast and rip those off too. Sliding down her body, I yank her panties away, then bury my face between her thighs as she surges beneath me, her back bowing, her breath catching. I lick all the sweetness I find, then stand and strip out of my clothes. She tweaks one of her nipples and reaches between her thighs. No. I climb on top and press my cock inside her in one smooth glide. She claws my chest as I start a hard rhythm that shakes the bed. I want to fuck all those bad memories out of her, to show her she doesn't have to fear me, that I will never wrong her the way those dead men walking did. I love you, Cassandra. I slow down and taste her mouth again. She moans and rocks her hips against me. I don't have to hear it back. She can show her affection in her promises to kill me like she's always done. That's enough for me. As long as I have her, I have everything. Pulling away again, I grin when she lets out a frustrated whimper. I grab the lube from the bedside table. Remember my promise? I take her ankle and pull her over so she's lying on her stomach. She tries to push up from the bed, but I'm already on top of her, pushing her down and biting her shoulder. Spread for me, my little vixen. I position my knees between hers, pour some lube onto my fingers, and press them into her virgin asshole. Luke! She squeaks and tenses. Shh. Trust me. You can always trust me. I soothe her and massage her tight hole. I will never hurt you, do you trust me? I hold my breath, and when she looks back and nods, I can't control the warmth that spreads through me. I'll go easy. I press one finger inside her and stroke her. Her tension lessens and she moves with me, her hips rising from the bed. Feels good, doesn't it? I lick my lips and tell my aching cock to wait its turn. Yes, she moans as I slide another finger in, stretching her and spreading the lube inside and out. I keep thrusting inside her, then grip her hip with my other hand and lift her onto her knees. Her round ass is a sight, and my fingers disappearing into her only makes my cock harder. I need to be inside her. Pulling my fingers away, I position my tip against her and push slowly. She grips the sheets, her knuckles going white. Are you okay? I can barely speak when she's squeezing my head in her tight ass. 
She wiggles her hips a little and pushes back against me. Fuck. I put one hand on her lower back and ease further inside, my cock disappearing into her ass bit by bit until I have to stop. One, so I don't come, and two, because I don't want to hurt her. It feels good. Her toes curl. Weird, but good. I pull back, still inside her, then ease forward. Her moan has me doing it again and again, my cock in her ass as she rocks against me. Reaching down, I strum her clit and press myself to her back. Her moans grow louder as my cock goes deeper and my fingers work her. She grips the sheets again, her cheek to the mattress. Sliding my fingers lower, I push two inside her hot pussy and she gasps my name. Dragging her own wetness back to her clit, I finger it until her body shakes. When she comes, I can't wait one second longer. My cock pulses inside her, my seed spilling into her ass as I grunt, deep and hard, just like my orgasm. Her ass is a perfect vice, squeezing me until I'm dry, my cock empty, but my heart full. I relax on top of her, then ease out and roll to her side. Are you all right? I kiss her cheek. She lets her hips sink to the bed as she sighs. I'll be walking funny, but it was worth it. You're worth it all, my little vixen. I kiss her, then pull her into my arms and whisper everything I love about her in her ear until she falls asleep. Chapter 12 Cassandra What's the code to the vault? I shout to Clayton, who I know is standing outside of Luke's office. Someone is always close when Luke isn't here. At first it annoyed me that someone is always watching over me, but I've come to appreciate it more as the days go on. Everyone knows that with power and wealth come enemies. I don't know it. He sighs from outside the office. Oh, I pull out my cell phone and hit call on the contact labeled husband. I tried to change the name five times and it wouldn't let me. I don't know how Luke pulled that off, but he did. I'm disappointed because I'd come up with some good replacement names and he was ruining all of my fun. Little vixen. Luke answers before the phone can ring more than one time. I want the code to the vault. I wait for him to tell me no, but it doesn't come. Instead, he doesn't say anything. Luke? A small trace of panic fills me at his silence. Is he not going to give it to me? Is he going to ignore my question? I shouldn't be surprised. That's what my parents always did. I should be used to it by now. Sorry, wife. I was stepping away. I swear I can hear the smile in his voice. Did you think I wouldn't give you something that you'd asked for? I, I don't know what I thought. I'm still playing this game. 
He rattles off the code without hesitation this time. Took you long enough, I huff out as though he's wasting my precious time. I hear him chuckle on the other end, which brings a slight smile to my face. I love poking him. You don't need it, though, he adds. You can put your thumb on it. I lift my hand, putting my thumb on the pad. The vault clicks open. I'm not even going to bother asking how the hell he got my thumbprint programmed into his vault. I'm impressed. That's the thing about Luke. He's nothing like I expected him to be. At each turn, he surprises me and shows me a little more of himself. He doesn't hide how much he cares about me and the lengths he'll go to make me happy. He'd said he loved me in Paris. I'm starting to think he really does. There aren't any weapons in there, little vixen. There is a handgun in my nightstand, though. I arch an eyebrow at the phone. I'm starting to think Luke has no regard for his own safety. Oh, I lick my lips, not sure what else to say. When are you coming back? I hate when he's gone for too long. Miss me? I do, but he'll never hear me utter those words. I'm planning your death, I remind him. I'll be home soon so you can have your way with me, he laughs. I love you, he says before the call ends. I drop the phone from my ear. I keep wanting to say those words back. I'm telling myself it's a habit to want to say it back to someone. Then it dawns on me that I wouldn't have such a habit. He was the first person to ever say those words to me. My parents never even said them when I was a little girl. They'd always treated me as though I wasn't wanted. They had to keep up appearances and make sure they did the basics to look like they were decent parents. But behind closed doors, they were monsters. I feel wanted so much more now that I can see what love is, what else is really out in the world. I pull the door open to reveal that the only thing inside is a folder. I grab it, flipping it open to see our marriage license inside. My eyes sting with tears looking over it. I put it back, closing the vault door. Everything inside me swirls. I hate that he's gone. My emotions are all over the place after looking at that piece of paper. It's a reminder of how I got here. I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing at the moment. I stomp from his office, flinging open the door. Clayton jumps back, the door almost hitting him. I have to bite my tongue from saying I'm sorry. He is, after all, one of the men that helped Luke in purchasing me. He had a hand in all this. I have a feeling that I'll have to kill him too if I kill Luke. Unless Luke has made the man swear he'd protect me even in his death. I have a feeling that is the case. Clayton and all of Luke's other men are the most loyal bunch of people I've ever seen. They'll do anything for him without question. You okay, Mrs. Knight? Clayton asks. I nod and head up the stairs. Ms. Kittles is hot on my trail as I go straight for our bedroom. I barely make it through the bedroom doors and my phone is ringing. Husband scrolls across the screen. I don't want to answer it, but damn it, I miss him. It doesn't help that he's making me feel all this weird crap inside. On one hand, he's the man that took me and basically forced me into marriage. And on the other, he's the one that's allowed me to be myself. He's opened up the world to me. He's gone to great lengths to put everything that I could want at my fingertips. It's more freedom than I've ever known. 
and it's boundless because Luke has made it that way for me. My inner turmoil should be expected. How could I want to kill and love the same man? What? I snip. Are you crying? Never. I lie as if he hadn't held me while I shed some of my past in his arms. He'd taken something horrible from deep inside of me and released it. I didn't realize I was still holding on to it, allowing it to eat away at me, but it was. Luke had somehow known that I needed to be free of those demons, and he took steps to make sure that I had a chance to do it. That painting was the key, and I was the lock, and he knew. He just knew. Baby. His voice is so soft and sweet that it takes my breath away for a moment. I'm coming to you. I'm fine, I sniff. Maybe it's hormones. I could be pregnant. The idea should scare the crap out of me, but it doesn't. I never thought I'd want children. I wouldn't know how to raise a baby. I don't know the first thing about them, but the idea of having one with Luke sounds tempting. Too tempting. I'm not ready to share him. Wait, I'll be killing him so there will be no sharing. That will make me a single parent, though. I'll have to think this killing thing over more carefully. Liar. Whatever. I huff as I drop down onto the bed. I know I'm not pregnant. I've been getting the shot since I turned 18. I guess Luke knows everything. I'm sure that's something he knows as well. You don't want babies with me, I accuse. I don't even know where that came from. I don't want a baby right now. Again, I am going from never wanting something to now toying with the idea of it. He really does have me in a mess. One day when you're ready, my vixen. You always say the right thing. I stare up at the ceiling. I feel better now that I can hear his voice again. I'm sorry I didn't wear you out enough before I left. I smile. He tried. He did exhaust me enough for me to take a nap, but I don't sleep well without him now. He's ruining me. The longer I let him live, the more attached to him I get. This is becoming a problem. Miss Kittles is no help. She's smitten with the man too. Vixen, open the nightstand. I swallow. I don't actually like guns. Luke, we should talk about your safety. You are really too careless. I sit up. Only I get to kill you. You know this, right? I ask as I peek inside the drawer. There's a small handgun, as Luke said there would be. But the thing that catches my eye are the college brochures that sit next to it. I remain quiet as I pick them up and look them over. I can hear Luke's breathing through the phone, but I have no words. These are for me. Art programs, real school. There's nothing I can think to say to describe the way I'm feeling. Luke is paving the way for me to have a future that I'd thought was lost. Luke, my voice cracks. I almost say the words that I know he's dying to hear, but I don't, because in this moment, I don't want him to die. I want him to live and continue making me feel all the things he does. Come home. Already here, he breathes into the phone. I can hear his steps coming down the hallway. He's on a mission to get to me. He always was.
Chapter 13 Luke I take her in my embrace, holding her as she wraps her arms around my waist and snuggles against my chest. Her tears soak through my shirt, and I stroke her hair as I sit on the bed and pull her to my lap. She hiccups as I rock her gently. My vixen is a woman, but her parents tried to hobble her, to stunt her with their vicious notions of keeping her locked away until they could sell her. She's working through it, but it doesn't come without its troubles. I only wish I could take away these growing pains, because she's had enough hardness in her life, enough coldness and loneliness. College? She whispers. Yes, I kiss her hair. Plenty of students start when they're a little older, not right out of high school. You'll fit right in. I know she was born to stand out, but I can feel her desire to be normal, warring with that spark inside her that sets her apart. She can have both, and I'll be right there with her, welcoming her home every day and keeping a close eye on any college frat punk who tries to talk to her. I thought about moving you closer to Boston so you could attend one of the Ivy Leagues. But then I thought you might like... Don't. She pulls back, her eyes glistening. Don't send me away. My heart seems to burn for her when she clutches me close, worry coating her words. Never. I wipe the wetness from her cheeks as more tears fall. I wouldn't let you go without me. She sighs. Good. She rests against my chest again, then mumbles half-heartedly. I couldn't kill you if we were apart. Of course. I stroke her back as her tears subside. So I chose the college in town. It's not Ivy, but not too shabby either. Their art program is ranked at number three in the nation. I expect we'll spend your summers abroad or in New York, loading you up with all the art knowledge you can handle. I pause. But if you'd rather not. No. She straightens and looks at me with a warmth that lights her up from the inside. I want this with you. Her lip trembles a little, but she gets it under control. I never thought I'd get out of my parents' house, much less go to college. I always wanted it. Her eyes cloud for a moment. It's how they tricked me into going with them to the chapel where we got married. I thought I was going to college. I'm sorry. I press my forehead to hers. I'm sorry they lied to you, and it hurts me more than I can say that you regret marrying me. But I don't. I still. She cups my face in her palms. I admit I was angry at first, and I'm still mad, but not at you. At my parents. She takes a deep breath. You? Me? 
I broach. You saw me. Me, broken pieces and all. And you wanted me anyway. Her eyes water again. I thought I was sold. But really, I was freed. You took me out of my cage and gave me what I thought I'd never have. Choices. A chance. And... She nibbles her lip. Love. I love you so much. I can't even describe it. I've never felt it, not until I saw her at her parents' house. Her eyes downcast with dark circles beneath, but a live wire mind underneath and a devious smile that could charm the devil. She gives a quick nod, as if coming to a decision. Luke Knight? Yes. My blood hums her name. I love you. I kiss her, claiming her mouth the same way she claimed my heart. No warning, no mercy. She melts for me, her arms wrapping around my neck as I hold her close, taking every breath. When she makes a soft whimper, I slide my hand up her thigh and tease the edge of her panties. She spreads her legs for me, and I need no more invitation. My fingers pushing aside her lacy panties and sliding up her wet slit. My cock is already hard, but I want to reward her, to show my love through my restraint. I stroke her clit slowly, building her fire one stick at a time as I continue making love to her mouth. When I press my finger inside her, she throws her head back, and I kiss her throat, sucking and leaving my mark as I pulse inside her, feeling her wet warmth, the heaven that I hunger for at all times. Luke, she pants as I add a finger, stretching her, then drag them back to her clit. I stroke her the way I know she likes, small circles again and again over that little ball of nerves. She's a kitten in my arms, and I have complete control. But I only use it to please her, to give her what she wants but in my own time, my own way. She gasps when I press harder, my fingers strumming her as her hips work me, her thigh pressing against my cock with each undulation. I grit my teeth, the need to fuck her riding me hard. But I want to make her come first, so I stroke her and lick down her throat. Her dress and bra do nothing to hide her hard nipples from me, so I nibble one with my teeth. She arches her back, her hands in my hair, her hips moving wildly. When I bite harder, she comes, her body tensing as I keep giving her what she needs, stroking her sweet pussy as she falls apart, each wave of pleasure coming out of her on a moan. Fuck, I love that sound. I keep it going for as long as I can, until she's spent until she's panting against me, until she tries to close her knees. Not a chance, my little vixen. I set her on the bed and quickly free my cock.
She shucks her wet panties and tosses them across the room. I grip her hips and roll her to her stomach. When I thrust inside her, my body goes taut. I'm home. Gripping her shoulder, I pull her back onto my cock, riding her rough as she moans and lifts herself away from the bed so she's on all fours. I pull her up and wrap one arm around her waist as she turns her head and kisses me. Fucking her like this is almost too much to bear. My love, my heart, my sexy vixen giving all of herself to me like I've wanted from the day we met. My release is sudden, every ounce of emotion swirling through me in a torrent as I grit my teeth and spend inside her, my cock kicking as she reaches down and rubs her pussy, bringing herself to orgasm as I kiss her throat reverently. She squeezes me inside her, her body shaking as she comes again, her moans lighting up my mind like electricity on a dark night. When she breathes out a long sigh, I lay her down and fall beside her, wiping some sweaty strands from her face. I tell her I love you, because it's true, because I'll never stop saying it, because I want her to know each and every day that I treasure her above everything else. She smiles. I love you too. I suppose I can wait till tomorrow to kill you. Thank you. I kiss her gently, sweetly. A knock at my door has me growling against her mouth. Yes, I call. We have some unexpected guests. Clayton sounds just as irritated as I feel. That can't be good. I sit up. Trouble? Definitely. What is it? The fear in Cassandra's voice has me kissing her once more, trying to soothe it away, but then I stand and fix my clothes before opening the nightstand and taking the gun. Hang on to this. The safety is here. I show her. Keep it on unless you're in danger. Then flick it off and shoot the hell out of anyone who's threatening you. Understand? Wait. She shakes her head as she sits up. Don't go. I'll be fine. I kiss her forehead and press the gun into her palm. Take this. Remember the safety. I'll be back. I hurry away from her, and I don't turn around, because if I do, I'll want to stay. Closing the bedroom doors behind me, I walk with Clayton down the long hall. I didn't want to say in front of your wife, but her parents are here. My hands fist, but then I shake them loose. They want her back. It's not a question. I knew the Carlisles would want more money, and demanding their daughter back is the way they'd try to shake me down. They can't have her. They brought some heavies with them. Clayton hands me a pistol and pats the one against his chest. Doesn't mean there won't be trouble, 
I nod and tuck the gun in the waistband of my pants as we hurry down the stairs. If Cassandra's parents think for one second I'll let them have their daughter back so they can hurt her even more, they are going to be sorely disappointed. And if they push me, they'll be dead. I shoot Clayton a glance, and I already know he's on the same page given the wolfish look on his face. I return his grin. Let's greet our guests. Chapter 14 Cassandra I keep my ear to the door until I can no longer hear Luke's and Clayton's footsteps. I couldn't make out anything Clayton told Luke. The wood door was too thick. I could only hear the mumble of their voices. I head back toward my closet to find something suitable to wear. I need to be smart about my selection. I will, after all, be providing protection for my husband, because there is no way I'm allowing anyone else to harm him. I'm the only one who gets that privilege. I decide on yoga pants and a shirt, something easy to move in if I need to go super ninja on anyone. I slip the clothes on and head back toward the bed to get the gun. Ms. Kittles lets out a loud meow. You're right, I need shoes. I turn back toward the closet and pull on a pair of socks and sneakers. You going to be quiet if you come with? I ask Ms. Kittles, who lets out another meow, this one not as loud as the last. I'm not going to hurt myself, I rebuff as I look down at the gun in my hand. The weight is foreign to me. I've been around guns, but never like this. I was quick to grab a knife or even a random object to throw, hit, or occasionally stab someone with. Guns were never my thing. When I think of killing, it seems like it would be more personal if I use something else besides a gun. I want the person on the receiving end to feel my revenge. A gun doesn't fit that description for me. Anyone can use a gun to kill someone, but could they cut an artery using a pencil? The gun I hold now is cold and heavy, but I know it's the best weapon of choice for me at this point if I want to protect my husband. We can do this, I tell myself and Ms. Kittles, but the worry remains. The finality of a gun is where I think I get caught up. That's what scares me. It's quick and easy, but also final. The two other men I've attacked were by my own hand. I'd felt somewhat in control. I could pull back at any moment. With a gun, Death was likely imminent. Even so, I gripped the metal. No one is taking him from us. Slowly, I pull the door open and peek my head out. Gray, I purse my lips at the man. Of course, my husband left a guard on my door. I should have seen that coming. He gives me a shrug that says, I'm only doing my job. Keep quiet, I whisper yell at him. Don't try to stop me or I'll shoot your ass. Miss Kittles turns toward him and hisses. I might talk a big game, but she enforces it. Gray learned that the hard way once when he tried to pick her up. Mrs. Knight, please go back to your room. Mr. Knight has everything handled, Gray whispers while motioning me with his hands. I put my hand out, signaling for him to keep quiet and continue to creep down the hall. He goes to say something else, but I point to the gun I'm holding in my other hand. I know he's not allowed to touch me, so he can't really stop me. Luke has specific rules for the guards. 
there to protect me but not lay one finger on me. Only Luke's allowed to touch me. I hear voices as I descend the stairs. They get a little louder as I reach the living room. I remain out of sight, trying to hear. It only takes me a few seconds to realize that the voices are those of my parents. Fear shoots through me at what their presence here means. My whole body goes still. We want our daughter to come back home, I can hear my mother's whiny voice proclaim. She sounds like someone when they hold their nose and try and talk, but high-pitched, too. God, it's been nice not having to hear that voice. I didn't realize how much I loathed it until now. It makes my skin crawl, but there's more, too. Not just the revulsion, but something far worse. Hope. Hope that she misses me, that she wants to see me because she loves me. I hold my breath as I creep closer. Is that so? Luke responds, ice in his tone. My heart starts to pound. I won't allow myself to believe he'd give me back. Over his dead body, which won't be happening because I love that man and only I can kill him. Still, some weird emotions are bubbling up inside me. My hand tightens around the gun. Someone has made a better offer. I'm sure you've already grown tired of her, no? My father responds. I swallow. That stings. I hate that it does, but it still hurts. My hopes are dashed just as quickly as they rose. They don't want to see me. They want to use me. I was sure you would have called us by now. She's nuts. That girl is no good to a man like you, my mother huffs, sounding annoyed that she's had to come here to retrieve me. But it doesn't matter. We're not leaving here without her. I hear multiple clicks letting me know that guns have been drawn. My heart stills for a minute as I realize Luke really is in danger. If you ever speak about my wife the way you just did, I will have your tongue cut out. Luke's thunderous voice makes me jump. You will not disrespect her in her home. You've done enough of that. Did you think you could come here and take her from me? That she'd want to leave me? My parents don't say a word. The room is completely silent until Luke speaks again. She chooses what she wants, not me and definitely not you. His words warm my heart, because it's true. Luke loves me, and he encourages me to choose what I want. I choose to stay here and to protect my husband. I flick the safety off and round the corner with my gun drawn. Chapter 15 Luke You can't have me back. Cassandra enters the sitting room, gun in hand, her eyes full of a particular brand of fury, a vengeful beauty. Sweetheart. Her mother adopts what I suppose she thinks is a warm expression, we are so sorry about all this. We made a mistake. Celine stalks over to her, paying no mind to the gun in Cassandra's hand. I ease my hand into my pocket where my gun waits. The two hired killers the Carlisles brought with them stand uneasily near the wide windows, their guns drawn. Usually, 
They wouldn't have made it through the gate, but a quick chat with Clayton convinced me that bloodshed might be beneficial in this instance. Let them come. Let them see what awaits them if they ever try to destroy their daughter's happiness. A mistake. Cassandra lowers the gun to her side as her mother stops in front of her. Yes. Celine reaches out and strokes Cassandra's hair. My vixen flinches, and I force myself to stand my ground instead of slapping the bitch's hand away. Even though I'm protective, I know this is something my bride must do on her own. It's the only way she can heal, can truly put her past away and live in the present with me. Selling me to Luke Knight was a mistake. We didn't sell you, her mother harumphs. We thought he'd be a good match for you. But now that I see you, I can tell you need to come home. We love you, baby. We'll take care of you, protect you from this asshole that's keeping you prisoner. It makes sense, Cassandra nods. My heart seems to go cold at her words, and I hold my breath. Of course it does, Celine crows. No, Cassandra meets her gaze. It makes sense that you believed my tutors over me, that you sold me, that you've come here to shake down my husband for more money or sell me to some other man. All of it makes sense now. Celine's face falls as I let out my breath. You never loved me. Cassandra's eyes water, but she holds her head high. I kept thinking you might, you know? Maybe if I dressed how you wanted and stayed in my room and did what you said, maybe then you'd love me. But you never did. I was nothing more than a way for you to live your dreams, and you'd happily sell all mine just to make it happen for you. The ache in her voice claws at my soul, but she has to say these things, has to experience the pain so she can grow past it. Of course we love you. You're being dramatic. We've always loved... No, you used me. You kept me isolated. I had no friends. I had tutors and lessons. A princess in a tower. The only one who's ever truly loved me. Her gaze snaps to mine, and I feel as though my heart might burst. Is the man I'm going to kill when I get around to it? She shoots me a teary smile that breaks down every remaining wall between us. Darling. Her father takes a step toward her. She raises her gun. No more pet names. No more pretending. You two are no longer my parents. I am a knight, and I will forever be a knight. If I ever see you again, you'll be on the receiving end of a bullet. Her mother winces and shrinks back. Her father sighs, then motions for the hired guns to approach. You're coming with us whether you like it or not. Wrong. She points the gun at his face. I only go where I want. I only do 
what I want. No one forces me, not you and not them. And right now, I want to pull this trigger. She steps forward, her sadness breaking into a smile that makes my blood run deliciously cold. I'm nuts, remember? You've been telling Luke that I'm crazy and that's why he should cast me aside. And you know I have a penchant for violence. She steps forward again, and her parents huddle against each other. I'm that crazy, violent girl, the one you had to keep locked away. And here you are, pissing me off. You know what I'm capable of. Grab her. Celine motions toward the armed men. We're leaving. They move toward her. The wrong decision. I simply raise my chin. The windows shatter as a gun roars, taking down first one hired gun, then the other. They fall, blood pooling from the headshots Clayton delivered from the roof of the east wing. Celine screams. Cassandra smiles. I pull my own gun and point it at the Carlisles. Come here, my little vixen. I hold my free hand to her, and she runs to me and takes it. Put the safety back on. I whisper in her ear. I've got this. Her safety is the most important thing, and though I'm proud of her, I don't want her to have any accidents. Good. She gives me a relieved finger squeeze and thumbs the safety back into place. Celine, Marty, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I motion them toward the foyer with the pistol. Not without my daughter. Celine's gaze is still on the bodies, her tone shaky. She's not your daughter anymore. She's free, and she's chosen me. Take a good look at these men. I point to the gore and hope none of it splattered the klimt I bought for my vixen. Clayton is still on the roof, his crosshairs on your face, Celine. All I have to do is shrug and your head will be splattered all over Marty. Hell, I grin. I could sneeze on accident and then boom, you're done. Celine lifts her gaze to the shattered window. You wouldn't. I would. I squeeze Cassandra's hand. And I'm rather inclined to do it anyway, given how you've treated my wife. Allowed her to be preyed upon. Forced her to stay locked away. Tried to clip her wings. My anger grows with each sin I recite. Come on. Marty's wide, buggy eyes keep flicking between my gun and the east wing. We need to leave. Don't come back. Cassandra steps forward. Ever. If you do, I'll kill you. Celine's face finally crumples, and she clasps her hands together. Sweetheart. Last chance. She lets go of my hand and strides to the writing desk in the corner. Resting the gun on the table, she instead picks up a sharp pencil and turns towards Celine. 
Test me, Celine. Maybe this time I destroy the artery and watch you bleed out. Cassandra, no! Celine backs away and almost trips over Marty. Go. Never come back. My vixen brandishes her pencil and stalks them into the foyer, where they take to their heels and run to the front door. I'll kill you. I swear, you know I'm not bluffing. She bellows and haunts their steps, me at her back as they jump into their car and their tires screech down my drive. She stands with her head high and back straight. Cassandra vanquished her demons, and she did it with total control, total confidence. I marvel at the woman before me, the violent, turbulent, magnificent bride that is everything I ever wanted and more. She turns to me and twirls the pencil between her knuckles, a mischievous smile on her plump lips. I suppose the pen is mightier than the sword after all. When it's wielded by the right person, yes. I tip her chin up and kiss her hard, staking my claim. I want to tell her how proud I am, but I let my body say it instead as I lift her, carry her back into our house, and kick the door shut behind us. Epilogue Cassandra Years later Oh my God, I think I love you, I say as I enter the kitchen. My eyes take in all of the food that's spread out on the kitchen island. My gaze flicks up to Chef Botura, who has gone ghost white. Don't kill him, I quickly add and reach out to put my hand on my husband's chest. I'm teasing. I think Luke is teasing, too, about killing Chef Batura. But you can never be too sure. Luke slowly lowers his gun. You'd get blood all over my food. I smack his chest and head toward the kitchen island. I don't know where to start. Every dish looks better than the last. Luke had Chef Batura flown in from Italy after I'd said I was craving one of his dishes. We'd spent our real honeymoon, as I call it, roaming France and Italy. This is where I'd first tasted the masterpieces that Massimo Batura creates with food. He's an artist in my eyes. I'm not even the tiniest bit surprised that my husband flew him here to cook for me. Luke does whatever it takes to make me happy. I may not have known what he was doing when he came into my life, but I quickly realized that he only had my best interest at heart. Don't pay him any attention, Massimo. Please tell me what all of this is, I say as I snag a bite of his tagliatelle. I moan when the taste hits my tongue. I hear Luke growl, but I squint my eyes at him, letting him know that I'll kill him if he ruins this for me. I've made you all of your favorites, Mrs. Knight. I lick my lips and thank God I wore my stretchy pants today. I've stayed away from soft cheeses, so you may not see some of the ingredients that you're used to. I side-eye Luke because he's the reason that I'm not getting the full effect of Chef Batura. I did make the lemon tart that you love, manja. That brings a smile to my face. 
I clap excitedly, ready to dig in. A sharp pain runs up my back, making me freeze at the same time a gasp leaves my lips. Vixen? Luke is all over me instantly. What was that? I glance up at him as I quickly reach over and grab a piece of bread. I dip it in the ragu that is to die for. I want to stay at this table forever. A hiccup, I say before I shove the bread into my mouth. He narrows his eyes on me. She's hungry, I say with my mouth full and point to my giant baby belly. I'm due to pop any day now. Luke's eyes grow soft as he puts his hand on my belly and starts to rub. I thought he was attentive before I got pregnant, but that was child's play compared to how he is now. Are you sure? He leans down and brushes his mouth against mine. I nod a yes, because I'm a liar. In all fairness, I'm really not sure what's going on. I can only focus on all the delicious food that's waiting for me to eat. I think I might have had a contraction, but I'm not ready. I can't leave all this food. You're not supposed to eat once labor starts, he reminds me. I know, that's the main reason why I'm not telling him. I've got an island of food to eat. I can't be in labor right now. Luke has read the pregnancy book cover to cover multiple times. He even made us take a class on it. I think I napped through part of it. This baby is making me tired. Aren't we celebrating? I change the subject before Luke can try and call in the doctor. He's so over the top that he hired one to be on call for the next few weeks. He has a backup plan for everything. We are. My wife is a college graduate. He smiles, pride in his eyes. And he's right, I am. College was exciting and new. I felt like I got to spread my wings. I also learned how much I missed my husband when I wasn't with him. How I enjoyed art so much more when he was next to me to talk about. I grew, but I also realized that I could pursue my art dreams while also having a family. Just the thought of a little one with my eyes and Luke's smile is enough to send my heart pitter-pattering. Right, I have a diploma, and I'm not afraid to use it. I lean against him for a moment, then go back to the feast before me. That means I'm the smart one around here. I'd know if I was in labor. I totally think I am. He smirks. Eat. He prods me toward my food. Don't mind if I do. I eat one of the fresh-made tortellinis in broth. I wonder if Luke will let Massimo live here permanently. Probably not. I sigh internally. I never should have said the L word. That's going to bite me in the ass. I meant it about the man's food, not the man. But I probably screwed myself all the same. Ms. Kittles struts past, her tail tickling my swollen ankles. A demure meow earns her a tiny bit of chicken, though it hurts me to share even that little bite. She chews it appreciatively and waits for more. I lean down to feed her one more piece, but my breath hitches again and I squeeze my eyes shut in a moment of discomfort. Massimo, give me the tart. I may have yelled that part at him as I sit back up. Before I know what's happening, Luke is lifting me and carrying me away from heaven. I sadly wave goodbye to all of the goodies. I should have known he was going to bust me on my lie. I would kill to have one bite of that tart. I look up at Luke, who smirks at me. 
He'd laugh if he wasn't worried about this whole labor thing. What am I going to do with you, little vixen? He says as he places a kiss on my mouth. Let me go back and eat the tart, I suggest. Later, he tells me. I huff as he carries me out. Of course, there's a car ready to go. I bet he had it on standby. Why later? I can eat it on the ride there, I say sweetly, even as the car pulls away. Have Clayton bring it, or Gray. How are you feeling? He ignores my suggestion. Just text them. I pat his pockets for his phone. I'll do it myself. He grabs my hand, stopping me. How are you feeling? He asks again. I'm fine. I was just... I stop talking as another contraction hits me, this one harder than the last. The pain is deep and unrelenting, and my desire for the food sparks into maniacal anger. You did this to me, I point at him. The car jerks, picking up speed. I'm going to kill you. I grab his shirt as the pain takes over my body. I knew I was saving your death for something. This is it. Breathe, he says in my ear, pulling me close to him. His voice calms me, even though I consider wrapping my hands around his throat and squeezing. I do as he tells me, because usually his way is the easy way. The contraction fades again as I rest my head on his shoulder. His hand rubs my back. Did you text them about my lemon tart? I don't see his cell phone anywhere. What has he been doing this whole time? I'll get your tart, Vixen, he assures me. My eyes meet his. It's going to be okay. I know. I lean in, kissing him. I could do anything with Luke by my side. He not only gave me strength, but freedom, too. He makes me feel alive and loved. This man is my everything. He knows what I need before I even do. I bet you're glad you didn't off me all those years ago. Think of all you'd have missed out on. He tries to lighten the mood before he kisses my lips. I love this man more than I ever thought possible. He is my other half, my love, my protector, and my life. The night is still young, I smile against his mouth. Let's go have our baby girl. As you wish, my little vixen. I love you, Cassandra, more than my own life. I know he does. You won't be paying that price. I kiss him again. At least for tonight, I add. Gotta keep a man on his toes, unless you forget that tart. I shrug and send another smile his way. We pull up to the emergency entrance at the hospital. Luke begins to open the door, but I stop him. I love you, Luke. Thank you for the wonderful life we share. Thank you for seeing me before I even saw myself. Most of all, no matter what I say during this delivery, thank you for giving me this baby. Before he can reply, my next contraction takes hold. I will bury you where no one will ever find you, I yell as he helps me out and rushes me into the emergency department. I will end you, Luke. I grip his shirt in my fists and stare up into his eyes. End you. As long as I'm with you, I won't mind one bit. He scoops me into his arms and carries me inside our little family springing to life, and our future brighter than I ever thought possible. I'll get around to killing him later. Much later. Maybe never? Well...
Let's not be too hasty. This has been a production of His Deadly Darling, written by Mink and performed by Mackenzie Cartwright and Lance Greenfield. Please visit minkromance.com for information on new releases and audiobooks from Mink. Amelia Wilde has a brand new book out today called Hidden Beauty. Is Leo Morelli a beast or a prince? He locks Haley in his castle for her own safety. She sees only the beast in him, but the worst is yet to come. Hidden Beauty is the second book in the Beauty and the Beast trilogy from USA Today best-selling author Amelia Wilde. Find her at awilderromance.com. That is the freaking cutest website ever. It's A-W-I-L-D-E-R romance.com. Go ahead and download Hidden Beauty today everywhere you get books. Amazon, Apple, Nook, Kobo, Google Play, or add it to your TBR list on Goodreads. Welcome back. You've got it all. There you go. Choke on it. (laughs) If you want more Mink audios, I believe she has a handful more if you want to jump on on there. And I think there's one on the podcast, actually. Yeah. We've had her on before. I think that his Virgin Queen, the one you said that was really popular. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. So that one is on here. I'll link that in the show notes so you can go back and listen to that one if you want. Oh, show notes. Shit. I need to think about what we've been talking about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think that's it. Oh, up next week, we've got, drum roll, I can't do it. Oh, we're replaying one of our old favorites, Catherine Nolan, Breath of Fire. She's actually got a new book that comes out, I think it's next week, maybe? The cover is beautiful. It's this couple and they're like surrounded by water and it's blue and it's so pretty. It's like very like free and spirited. Wispy. Just like she That's is. how I yes. see her. Yeah. That's, that's exactly. Her covers reflect her personality. And I love that because you can tell right away like the kind of story you're going to get. It's just this big epic fun love story and She's just so sweet. So we're going to replay her book with us, Breath of Fire. Um, We've had it previously. I think it may have been season one, maybe season two on the podcast. But like we said before, those were in like five parts at the very beginning. But it was a fan favorite. So we're pulling it together and we'll have two episodes for you next week. And then after that, I want to say, and we have one, two, three, four, five, we have five more brand new audiobooks before we end this season. So that's really exciting. I think there's two in there that might be a replay, Mm -hmm. but that's how many weeks we got before the end of the season. And there's five brand new ones still to come. So it's really exciting. Yep. All right. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance, read, read me romance, read me romance, read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read.